We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of Seahawks Man to Man is presented by OfficialK9.com, the official store of Kenneth Walker III. His store combines the power of Web 2 and Web 3 to allow for fans to purchase new merch drops, digital collectibles, and enter exclusive giveaways. Make sure and peep OfficialK9.com to see all the newest merchandise from Kenneth Walker III and use code Seahawks for 10% off at checkout. Again, use code Seahawks on OfficialK9.com for 10% off Kenneth Walker III's official gear at checkout. Check out the podcast description for more details. Welcome to the Seahawks Man-to-Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. Uh, you can follow me on the tweet machine at M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. I'm verified on there. Shout out to Elon Musk as well. Not taking my blue check away. Uh, shout out to everybody who follows us on YouTube as well. Seahawks Man-to-Man is the name of the channel. That's the man, the number two man. We appreciate all the love and support, particularly around draft time. when we're having a bunch of guests to talk about prospects that... Uh, Chris and I are just learning about for the first time in the spring. Uh, Chris, go ahead. Talk to him. What is going on, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and that's CKID206. All right. And speaking of those uh, draft prospects, we are continuing our little 2023 uh, lead up to the draft. We call up an expert to talk about position groups uh, that they've studied far more often than Chris and I have. Uh, This week, we're going to talk trenches uh, with the homie from The Athletic. Nick Bumgarner making his debut to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Nick, how are you, man? Good, guys. What's going on? We it's are draft doing season, okay. right? doing yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Chris and I are not the hugest college football people in the world. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a traveling beat writer. I know. That's a West know, Coast so. thing, I think. That's a West Coast <laughs> thing. It's yeah, college I mean, football is like an East Coast and in the Midwest. Yeah, I get it. I and, get it. And, and, when I'm, and I learned that when I'm traveling, you know, yeah. for, for games and I went to Washington state. So I'm a PAC 12 guy and I'll be in, mm-hmm. I'll be in like Detroit or something on a Saturday and like go somewhere like, Hey, y'all showing Wazoo Stanford on PAC 12. Yeah. Network? And they're like, hell no. No, <laughs> man. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, we're not, we're not showing that. So it's, it's a struggle to keep up. I see that why there's like an East coast or an Eastern time zone bias. Right. Yeah. It's unfortunate too because there's a lot of good football out there. I'm curious though, right, with the Pac-12's like demise here, how this is going to change viewing habits or anything because USC and UCLA. But I don't know. We'll see. 
Yes, it might be tough. I read somewhere where we might, the conference might be, our, our partnership deal uh, broadcast wise might be with, with like uh, Apple TV or Apple Plus. Yeah, or something yep. like that. streaming. Yeah, you got to pay for it. So that's going to make it. <laughs> people already weren't staying up late to watch like Wazoo, Oregon State no. at 10 o'clock yeah. Eastern on the East yeah, Coast. Only, only those are true believers games. That's what I like to call them. Like only the true believers <laughs> stay up that late for those games. Yeah. Yeah. Pac 12 after dark is not going to, mm -hmm. they got to market that correctly to get people to pay extra for, you know, Wazoo Cal at 7 30 right. Uh, right. local time on Apple Plus. God, God bless them. Uh, trying to market that, but we appreciate you uh, talking about the nerdiest part of the draft, you know, for us is uh, getting totally. the big boys in the trenches, but Seahawks fans, they know it's an important part. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Chris, let's get into it. Let's get into it as best we can. And in this scenario, when I turn on film to watch DBs and safeties, linebackers, something that I'm really interested in, there are certain things that I look for and what separates good and great from those players in those positions. What are some things you look at in the offensive line that separates a good one from a great one that you notice? Maybe footwork. What are the things that you look at? One of the biggest things that I, you know, have learned in the last couple of years, especially like because I get to work so close with Dane now, is the is the bend and the flexibility and what that really means. You know, you've heard we've like you guys around coaches all the time. You hear about that bend and sink your hips and what that means. It's that like really bendy athlete who can just like squat down and jump up and not have any problem and just be really explosive. It's not necessarily like how fast a guy is or how fast, you know, how far he can run at a certain speed, but it's that like, when you just watch a lineman, like can he squat his body down without sort of bending at the waist, bend his knees and then like explode like that, that stuff, right. Footwork and pass and pass pros, obviously huge and, you know, sets and everything else. But just when you're really looking at it, like who has a chance, it's the guys who really just like are like springs, you know what I mean, as athletes, because they, they can recover. They can screw up, they can make a mistake, and they can still like, you know, recover their body and get back into a play. And that's when you really look at it in the trenches, that more than anything to me is what I try to find in a guy. Like if, I, if a guy has that, he's going to get a chance over and over and over again is usually what we end up seeing. So a good vertical might play a role in there yeah, like for big guys burst. jumping? Okay. Mm -hmm. Broad jump too, you know, and then like, I would say too, I look at a lot like 10 splits, the, you know, in the forties, like if a guy has a good flying 10, like relatively, you know, compared to the other guys, like if they can get off the ball fast, that sort of thing. But yeah, the jumping uh, is certainly, but, but the other part that bend, you really got to watch them on tape. Like you got to, that's, that's the part where you really got to watch them on film uh, to be able to see it. Yeah, it's the it's the it's it's people like Nick doing the Lord's work around draft time, man. <laughs> On tape, <laughs> watching Big Ten interior linemen, man. That's that right. is uh, that that's we need more people in the world dedicated to that part of the cause. Um, before we get into the draft class, though, uh, Nick, you're in Michigan, right? It's for mm -hmm. years, base. Yep. And you covered the. Uh, well, I know Chris Burke was covering the last a little bit. Did you you guys covered them together? Yeah, we covered them together. Yeah, and I still do some stuff with Colton on again too. So yeah. Shout out to the homie Colton uh, coming right. the lines now for us. Um, so you're familiar with uh, the Seahawks' new center, Evan Brown, right. um, mm -hmm. signed on a one-year deal worth uh, $2.25 million. He's a backup out there in Detroit, uh, guard, kind of a swing interior lineman there. Um, you've been watching him up close. I see you out there. You know, um, how, do, how would you expect him to perform now that he's going to get a chance to be a full-time starter? I thought that was a great signing by Seattle, and I really was surprised last year when Detroit was able to bring him back. I think Detroit was too in that two years ago when Dan Campbell uh, and that staff got there, they brought in a bunch of 
undrafted rookies all over the place, really, but a bunch in the lines. And Evan Brown was one that just never faded away. That was like Sewell's rookie year, and they were really focusing hard on offensive line development. And Brown just kept getting better and better. And then Frank Ragnow got hurt. Um, I want to say it was like midway through that season and was done for the year. He missed like eight, maybe 10 games, something like this. And Evan came in and played, and I thought he was terrific. And I I thought he was good enough to probably warrant to look somewhere as a starter last year. And I don't know if he didn't turn it down or took like a – the Lions brought him back because they liked him so much. Um, but then he played again, you know, as like the sixth swing guy this year because, you know, guys get banged up and all that. So this year I, I was fully expected to see him, you know, move on and and find a job like this because this is perfect, I think, for him because they will have younger guys come in. They're You know, they're going to draft guys, as we're going to talk about here. But a guy like Evan, it's a prove-it situation, at really cheap. He's not that old, and he's played behind and with um, Frank Ragnow, who I think is one of the best centers, if not the best in the league. So um, I thought that was a great pickup for them. Seattle always does a good job with those interior dudes, um, but Evan, that was a really good, smart, smart ad. Specifically looking at Evan, how is he? Is he stronger in one area? Run game, pass game, and a good at both? I think he's a steady guy. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. I think he's just a steady, solid athlete who doesn't, you know, he knows what he's doing. Um, you know, I think the one thing that the Lions do a really good job of with Hank Fraley is they're all smart. All the guys that play for him, you know, Ragnow and Decker and Jonah Jackson, who's been one of the better young uh, interior guys for a while. To be able to hang with those guys um, means that you know what you're doing. And I think Evan, when you watched him, he didn't ever get overwhelmed physically, you know, up front. I think that's huge for guards and centers. It was hard to bully him. But at the same time, even if he was going up against a guy who maybe had a physical whatever, you know, the feet were good. And more importantly, he knew what he was doing. There was just never a time where he looked like he was overwhelmed or making mistakes. And that's like 80% of it sometimes in there, uh, you know, if you can hang in. So that was what I noticed about him. He was just a really steady guy. He, you know, never really faded away. Looking at this entire center draft class, how would you assess it? Is this a great class, good class, eh, not so good? How do you grade it? It's not great. Uh, it's not deep. It's, you know, there's some guys in here, uh, I would say. It's not it's not the best one that we've seen. I think a lot of people have called it pretty underwhelming. I, you know, I don't know if I would go that far with it. I think that there's some guys, you know, that are guards who can also play center. We were talking about a little earlier, like Cody Maw uh, from North Dakota State. There's some guys that were solid college players that don't jump off the page athletically. Um, guys that didn't test super well and guys that frankly didn't look great in one-on-ones at the senior bowl. But I think if you put them with a good group, they're going to be good football players. Cause there's a lot of smart players in this class. I think overall, uh, especially inside at center, not a lot of terrific studs like we've seen in the past, but that's also kind of rare because, you know, centers, uh, it's a tough spot to play. When, how do you uh, go about uh, staying with the, just the, the class probably before we jump into some guys, how do you go about assessing the, the smarts, that a center has, all the command he has to have with the O-line. How do you go about that on film? Yeah, so, I mean, for me, it's two-part. A lot of times for these guys, that's where I'll try to find, you know, or if I'm around them, try to talk to them, but also talk to their coaches and try to find any interview that they have, try to listen to, you know, and them discuss things or to see what their IQ is. But then also I think you can watch them, uh, you know, you watch them on the field. I mean, if you watch a good center, make calls, make adjustments, and, and the line – just throughout the course of a game, isn't going the wrong way, isn't making mistakes, you're not getting beat because the protection is just flat wrong. Um, you know, I think that those are little things that you pick up. It's really easier, I think, for a center to be able to do that than it is for like a tackle or a guard. Uh, a tackle or a guard sometimes, I mean, if a guy's completely lost, he's completely lost. 
But the center is really that pivot where everything just starts and stops with him. I mean, he's setting everything on every play. I did a film thing last year or a couple of years ago with um, Ragnow in Detroit and sat with him and just watched tape. And he was telling me how, I mean, he's looking at the safeties and the corners and how they're lined up for run plays. You know what I mean? Like deep, deep stuff. So it's hard to always idea it, but typically it's the guys who communicate the most and the guys who you hear other people talk about them. Just like watch him more, watch him more. And then like Kelsey, right? That's He was the perfect example over the years that he just crept up, got better and better. And, you know, he's a Hall of Famer now. Um, so the Seahawks, with, with signing Evan, I mean, either way, they probably weren't going to take a center in the first round. They're just not mm-hmm. – it's just kind of not been there get down. They hardly give first-round grades uh, to – I think they the most they've ever had is like 18 first-round grades. Yeah, so I don't think they're yeah. going to be one of those uh, on a center. So I think day two is probably what we're looking at. Uh, the first thing we want to start with uh, is John Michael Schmitz. You know, he's, oh, he's uh, OC1. Um, mm-hmm. for, for a lot of guys, I think he's the highest graded or the, the highest graded uh, player on the consensus big board at the athletic. Um, yep. So OC one for a lot of people looking at specifically as Seattle as a, as a potential fit. Um, if they take him where, first off, where would you take him? And if you did take him, if you're Seattle, do you think he could compete with Evan for starting reps right away? Yeah, I do think he's a, I do think he's the first center off. And I do think that, you know, that's, that's the big question. He's not going to be a first rounder. Um, I would say somewhere probably on day two, maybe you get lucky and, you know, he's still sitting there on day three, but that's where it's like, you know, with these, these groups that aren't super deep, you never know when the first guy goes off and then the rush you know, sort of happens. Like when somebody falls in love with a guy, uh, but John Michael Schmitz. Yeah. I mean, he's um, he was probably the best interior guy consistently over the ball at the senior bowl, which is, which is always important. I mean, he, he holds up well, physically moves his feet really well, uh, was very consistent at Minnesota, played a ton of football there. Um, and it's an interesting thing you bring up because I think Evan Brown is a guy who can play guard or center. I think John Michael Smith is a guy who can play guard or center. So I'd be curious to see in a spot like that. And I would be curious for Seattle if they would look at guys who really were only centers or guys who maybe can project and play a little bit more. Uh, but John Michael Schmitz, I think part of the reason why he's so high is because he's got some versatility and he's a really good athlete just overall. Um, yeah. Oh, go ahead, good. Mike. No, I was going to say that reminds me of something that uh, to your, to what you were mentioning, Nick, they've been in a danger zone with some of that a little bit is getting guys who do everything. But yeah. necessarily don't do one thing super well. And not to say that's these guys in particular, but I remember, exactly. Chris, remember we had Ray Roberts on the podcast. He Ray talked Robert, about that. Seahawks left tackle also played for the Lions. And that's the right. Lions. I remember him. Yeah. Um, yeah. A friend, friend of the show. I need to get him back on as well. But he was mentioning one problem that the Seahawks have had in the past with drafting linemen, specifically with this regime, is they keep getting guys who are like a jack of all trades and a right. master of none. A master, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I love, hey, man, I love like that's team. not wrong, right? Because like Schmitz was a big time center. He played just not, nothing but. But you project out and you say, well, maybe he could be more. But a guy like Cody Mall, I mentioned earlier. That's a projection at center. He's never done it. He just snapped at the senior bowl. So, I mean, I'm with him. I'm with Ray on that for center, especially. Like, if you need one to start, the guy's got to have done it before and been, like, pretty good at it. Otherwise, um, you're really asking for it. Like, I would I would rather have a guy uh, – I wouldn't want to wait on a guy who's, like, experimented with it or played a little bit if, if I need him to start or, like, push right now. Um, so, I guess that depends on, you know, how well Evan Brown plays and how well they evaluate these guys. Another athlete to look at is Luke Whipler out of Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Tested well, great athlete. Is he someone that you can plug and play immediately, or a little raw still needs to learn a few things and he'd be a backup? 
Yeah, I was a little surprised he came out. Um, not shocked, though, because the class, again, is not deep. And he is a great athlete. He's a really good athlete. And I think that Whipler is the one where John Michael Smith is more ready. Uh, and that would be, you know, I'd be more comfortable with him. Whereas Whipler, I'm not sure if he's more – he's not more ready today. But the question would be, is, is he going to be a better player in five years? Uh, is he, is he going to be a guy that you can for sure re-up and get a second, you know, contract out of? And he is really talented. Like, you know, Ohio State always has really talented interior linemen, linemen in general. Uh, but Whipler, you know, in the Big Ten against a lot of really good interior tackles, I thought moved around really well. But, yeah, he's young and he got, you know, he can get pushed around a little bit. And that was the one thing uh, with him that I wondered if he would go back to school and get stronger. But, you know, really good athlete and, you know, would be worth the risk if you took him on day two. Does I think how much of the measurables uh, important for a center with a guy like Whipler, who's like three hundred three? I think he was at the combine. Yeah. Seattle's had some kind of light centers in the past. Is that is there an ideal weight that you want want a guy to be at the next level? Well, you want him to be able to move. Number one, like so, you don't want him to be like so big that he can't you know move. But yeah, I mean a little stronger than that. I mean, I for me, it's not three hundred even is a little light. Maybe um, you want him to be a little, little stronger than that, but. Really what it is, it's, yeah, it's more about are you developed, like, is your is your punch developed with, like, your arm strength to where you're delivering one and you're getting everything with it. Like, and that's where as an athlete, he's so young, he was just a third-year player, that's where I think he he's still going to grow. Like, there's a possibility that he just keeps getting stronger and keeps growing, um, and that would be the difference there where I think he'll just naturally kind of get bigger uh, in time. But, yeah, like, I wouldn't – you don't want those little guys because they get bullied and – uh, that's no good, especially <laughs> when you're Seahawks and some of the dudes they play. So I, I wouldn't want that either at all. Oh yeah, no. There's been some rough. There's been some rough times here yeah. with centers since the, yeah. the, the traded traded Max Unger away, like 2014 or something like that, 2015. Oh, and yeah. And since right. since then, the rotation at center has been there's some decent guys, but then there's there's always been some games, particularly late in the year, where they're just getting put on their ass right. by someone like Fletcher Cox or something like that. And it's like, all right, right. let's. Rash you gotta have the strength, man. Right, exactly. Yep. Yeah, no, it can, it can and that that pressure up to it was really prevalent, not prevalent, but most noticeable because Russell was so short. Right. So right, when you exactly. get interior pressure against a 5'10, 5'11 quarterback, it really stands out. It's really like, oh shit. It. He has nowhere to go. He can't step up. He, you know, he's already short. No, yeah. it was it was a mess. That won't be as much of an issue with Gino, but like nobody right. wants Vito Bay in their lap. But you still need him. <laughs> yeah, you still need a guy that can protect for sure. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Let's stay in the Big Ten here. I'm going to try to get my man's name from Michigan right here all by myself. Here. Right. Okay. Olu Oluwatimi. Got it, man. That's per- That's about right. I think Olu Oluwatimi is what I always say. But I don't know ah. if I'm 100% right either. Olu is how, what he goes by Nick, uh, his nickname. So that's much easier. Yes. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Uh, when so, like I said, me and Chris, we don't really watch. We ain't, we ain't studying Big Ten centers. That's sure, you know, sure. it's, yeah. it's not our bag. But when it, when I'm looking them up, you know, when in doubt, I do tend to lean towards guys who are like award winners. Yeah. Um, right. We got Remington winner, Outland winner. Um, so I was like, oh, that's got to be good, right? So what's your overall impression of this guy? He's really interesting. Um, you know, he's older. He transferred. He was a Remington finalist actually at Virginia the year before he went to Michigan. Then goes to Michigan steps into, I think, probably the best offensive line in the country and guided it to another Big Ten title. And he's got – he's really – he did not have a great senior bowl, which is – it's not a great event for him. You know, he's a guy who's more power and smarts than he is foot speed and sort of like agility and everything else. Um, and But he's one – you're asking about intelligent guys and how do you figure this out. 
he transferred in uh, to Michigan uh, in January, and by the end of spring, had by everything I had heard, had mastered their offense. And Michigan's run wow. offense is really hard. And you know, to do that in four months, let alone eight months, like is crazy for a college kid. So he is really smart. That's the one. He might be one of the smartest, just pound for pound, you know, intelligent guys. Who, when you get him up on the board, teams are going to really like him. The one that there's two things. He's not super quick with the feet. He can pull and move a little bit, but he, you know the foot speed is still lacking. And there are teams that I've, or scouts that I've heard and stuff about. He doesn't always bully people as much as maybe you'd like, even though he's a bigger dude. But I mean, I like him a lot. He was really good at Michigan, and every time they needed something from him, he he seemed to deliver. And I just thought jumping into a spot like that and then performing at that type of level, man, that's really tough to do, uh, especially when you got talent around you that's sort of counting on you. And yeah, he he was he was great the whole year. I didn't realize until now that everyone reaction about is from the Big Ten. That must just be the yeah. spot to go grab, grab. You need right. a center. Go, 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 Scott. Got it. Been, Avengers, man. That's right. Playing big boy football up there yep. uh, uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, with with Olu, is there is there a type of scheme you think that fits some, maybe a gap scheme or something like that for a guy yeah. who's mobile? Yeah, he's you know well. I think that he would be good in a gap scheme. I think he'd be I think he'd be better in that than he would be in probably a wider zone situation. Michigan did pull him some, they did move him out and he was able to move around and loop some. Um, it's limited. I think how far out you can move him, but I think he can get out and climb a little bit and, uh, and be a guy who, especially in a power, yeah, a gap scheme where you're running power encounter and you're sort of sorting things out uh, and you need a guy to be smart. I think that he would be really, really good somewhere in that area. People have been down on him because of his workouts, but I think the league is probably not as down on him. Uh, as maybe some of the, the the draft scouts out there are. Where would you feel comfortable taking him if you're Seattle? Yeah, I mean, I think that he's – I don't – I think I would take him late third, maybe fourth, I think, because I think he'd be there in the fourth. I think he would be there on day three uh, because the other guys we've talked about would go higher. So, you know, it depends on if you love him. Like, if that's the other thing. If you love him and you've got to pick at the end of day three and you want to take a center, I wouldn't hate that. I mean, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world either. So, he played a lot of football and started a lot, and he's a smart player and – you can do worse than that. Yeah, Seahawks fans are just dying for the Seahawks to take a center after the Creed Humphrey scarred a lot of fans up here. Oh god, that was, yeah, that was that was one of those where it was like, there's no Creed in this class. I gotta tell you, <laughs> it was it was the because uh, you you know how fan fans are on Twitter that yeah. they can fall in love with a guy and it's just like, well, you know how much are fans actually watching the you know right how much how much they really know more than the than the guys who get paid to do this and. But no, that was one of those where in real time, even after the Seahawks took B. Eskridge in 2021, it was just like, shit, guys, why didn't we take Creed Humphrey? And then you look at it a couple of years later, even just a year later, it was like, later, yeah. man, Seahawks Twitter was, was just was just on it. So every time Creed wins an award and then D. Eskridge wins oh. his game, it's just like, Brutal. fuck. Uh, yeah, so. Brutal. Just want them, want them to take a guy. Um, so is there any, anyone else that ju that jumps out to you from the, that center group that, that we yeah. didn't mention? Well, I think Cody Maw is the one that's super interesting. I actually gave them Cody Maw, the Seahawks, in my uh, last mock that I did maybe a couple months ago. I did uh, maybe about a month ago. Um, I did a three-rounder. And Cody, he snapped at the Senior Bowl, um, never played – and looked good, looked, looked really good. And he's probably the best athlete in terms of the, what we were talking about earlier, that bend. Mm -hmm. um, was a tackle out there, uh, played some guard. I mean, he can play every position up front. Uh, Steve Avila is another one there, uh, and I know we're going to talk about him in the guard spot that I think has snapped before. But those are two that, again, it's 
Maw is really good and really talented, and he's going to be a second-round pick somewhere in there. But he's another guy to where if you're not totally for sure about what you got around him, if you want him to step in and play center and lead your whole line, it might take a minute for that to Mm -hmm. sort of click. So I like those guys a ton, you know, but, you know, Joe Tipman is another one there from Wisconsin. But that's like, you know, are they full-time centers? or It it depends on what you need out of them right now. Yeah, Go ahead, Mike. I was gonna say Tipman's another guy I had, and I was just like, "Shit, man!" Everyone I wrote down was from the Big Ten. All the Big Ten, <laughs> and then Cody Ma is basically Big Ten. North Dakota will claim that more or less, right? <laughs> wow, Big Ten, dude. land of the centers, apparently. This yeah. you mentioned guards, and let's just get right into it. Some plug and play guys in the guard spot, but I do want to mm-hmm. mention that the Seahawks they found the treasure with left tackle and right tackle. Charles Cross, ninth overall, and then Abe Lucas at 72nd overall. Who are some prospects at the guard position that can come in right away and have a positive impact towards this offense moving forward, you think? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Osiris Torrance is the best pure guard in the class. Um, you know, Skoronsky is some t- some teams think he's a guard. A-, a lot of teams think he's a tackle. So he's, you know, he would technically maybe be that. But Torrance is the best pure guard in the class. Never going to be anything but a guard. I don't think he's a center tackle or anything else. They tried him at tackle the senior bowl. Not really his thing. But he is – we talk about power. He's got all of it. Grown, grown-ass man. I mean, he was ready to play probably in the NFL two years ago when he was at Louisiana, Lafayette, mm-hmm. whatever it was down there. And then he transfers to Florida with Napier. Really good athlete who moves really well for his size and just never gets bullied. Uh, and really, I think kind of Trent – Florida probably shouldn't have won as many games as they did, and he was a big reason why they won as many as they did. Because, I mean, Richardson loved playing behind him, too, I'll tell you what, because he's one of the best run blockers in the class uh, and just a really, really good, solid player. I think he's a first-round pick. I think he's probably the only first-round guard um, Mm. for sure. And, yeah, that would be – but I think he'd be a good fit there. I think he would be immediate. You put him right in there, and boom, away. And you talk about those tackles, guys, like – Seahawks aren't that far away. You just need to, you know, settle center, get one good guard in there, and you can kind of make it work. So that would be an interesting one for sure. You got another guy maybe off the top? Avila. Okay. Avila is is probably the next on the list, honestly, and that's another one that's right on the fringe. Uh, He played all five spots, I think, or at least he can, uh, and he is tough, like super tough, has played through some stuff. Uh, That whole TCU team is tough, but, I mean – he was their most game-ready, NFL-ready lineman that they had. And, you know, the Georgia game, I think, skews people's opinion of TCU. But Avila shouldn't be put in that one. He's a legit player. I think he could play. Speaking of Esteban or Steve, yeah. <laughs> right. in that scenario, let's look at his assessment from a pass protector. How do you view him as a pass protector? Because the Seahawks, 
last season, they, they shocked a lot of people with their ability to allow Geno to throw the ball effectively right. and the offensive line held their own for the most part. So with that being said, what have you seen from Steve as a pass protector? I think he's great at, I mean, I think he would be good in that because this is a guy who's played multiple spots and, you know, to be able to hang at tackle and I don't care what the competition necessarily is. If you can't hang there with your sets with your technique, with your punch, with everything else. If you don't know what you're doing, you're going to get just warped and it's going to get, it's going to look terrible. And he never did. I mean, he's a guy who's played multiple spots uh, in college at a highly competitive level and played him well. So typically when I see guys that do that, even though we just got done talking about, you know, I, I wouldn't love that at center. I love it at guard though. And I love it at tackle Matthew Bergeron, another kid from Syracuse um, guard tackle, you know, who I think is a great athlete who is best footballs in front of him. Tough kid. And that's really what you're looking for in there. Can you move? Are you powerful? And are you smart? And I think all those guys that we just talked about there for sure. Yeah, is is uh, let me see. I was watching Steve uh, because or what did you say his real name was Esteban. Esteban, yeah, that's his first. I, love I think that. his full name. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. I was watching. <laughs> I read that not that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> I I actually love it's like a little just random thing I enjoy is like guys who go by a name and then it's not even right, not even close. I think we broke. I think we broke it because it. people were mispronouncing it and he was like whatever just call me steve <laughs> that's what it was i swear it was something like that yeah we, we've broken the news to chris on this show oh. twice uh on guys maybe three times i know we broke because chris didn't know julio's name wasn't julio broke that to him on the show that was insane Great. what was the other was it ty was hilton was that what it was oh, yeah it might have been but it was multiple players and i'm sitting here like i thought we we're doing a pod on everything but people's names mike <laughs> Yeah, I just I just enjoy that when someone just has a name that's just like no, that's not even I love it. Not not even it at all. Uh, but I was watching the I think I was watching the Natty. That's what it was. I was watching the national championship. Yeah, I, so. I went to watch I went to watch Jalen Carter and I was like, whoa, this dude in TCU left guard is fucking huge. Yeah, he's a really good player. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's that's, he's that's day two for sure. I think he's a day two pick. Yeah, and he the Seahawks the Seahawks guard situation is interesting right now. They've got some decent guys. Phil Haynes played okay last year. Um, as a kind of a spot starter with not spot starter, like a part-time starter with Gabe Jackson, mm-hmm. who they then released Damian Lewis uh, has been pretty solid since his, since he was drafted in third right. round in 2020, both of them though are on one year deals. Um, so who drafting for the future, there could be the case at guard, particularly on day two. I'm so glad you mentioned that Osiris Torrance from Florida is a first round guy. Yeah. I've mocked him there like three times. I feel like already, whether in our beat writer mock drafts or on my own, I keep getting yelled at. I see our fans like Mike. Why are we taking a guard? We're taking a guard. We need defense, defense, defense. And I'm like, guys, I hear you, but ceiling, it's ceiling, I, man. Yeah, you put I, them next to one of those young tackles, and it helps both of them. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing that people got to remember about these linemen. You these really good ones, they can help the guys around them. You know, if it's a really good guard or a really good center, it's going to make the guys next to him look better too. And he's one for sure. I love that fit. It's a really, I mean, because. He's a first-round talent at guard. Not a lot of teams need that. So he's definitely going to be there, you know, for you whenever you, you know, and I think that that's, that would be a good fit for them because they definitely need it. And I was, uh, my, this year was my first year at the Senior Bowl because the Seahawks usually don't have that many picks and they right. definitely pick high usually. So I know, and Alabama's hard as hell to get to from Seattle. <laughs> yeah, right. um, so I usually don't go. And this year I go, right, because they got two top, they have, uh-huh. two, two, they have two top 20 picks, uh, including pick five. And I'm expecting, you know, get, get a feel for some people who they might take. And then pretty much no one who was like a first rounder showed up, uh, including you know. Tyree Wilson, ba- built up. But when I left, I was like, yo, the guard from Florida might be the only guy I really was like, He's really good. if you're going to use a first round pick on someone who was here, 
it's that dude. And it was like, now nah, I'm like, we shouldn't take a guard. And nobody him. got him at the senior bowl either. I watched all of it back. He, he got everybody. Nobody even, he was like, Dewan Jones had one day where he beat everybody up. Torrance did it for the whole week. He was mm. legit. You guys, you guys hear that? Take yeah. the virus. Even <laughs> if you got to trade back from 20, which is fine too. If you trade back yeah. to 24, 25, 26, or whatever the hell. Be there. Yep. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, there we go. I need Nick to confirm my prior. So yeah, yeah. that's great. I feel, I feel good about that. Yep. I got one more guy for you in the guard class, and this yeah. will be Braden Daniels out of Utah. Is he someone that you see fitting with the Seahawks? And what are some of his strengths and weaknesses? Really good athlete. And another one of these guys that some people think, you know, is he a tackle? Is he a guard? You know, what is he? And I think I, I kind of bucket him in the same thing as I would do um, Bergeron from, from Syracuse, where it's, um, is he strong enough? And that's maybe the question of can you hang inside uh, in the NFL? You're going to be tough enough. But he athletically, everything he needs. And for some of these guys, Daniels is a really good example. I think it's going to be a matter of like if you draft him and you tell him I want you to be a guard, I think he can take his body and shape it and do the things he needs to do to be a guard. You know what I mean? Like in college, he's doing what he needs to do in college to get by and do the things his coaches are telling him. You get to the NFL, and I think that that's still a possibility for guys like that, that were tweeners. Um, so he's a really good athlete and a guy that, you know, you love those guys who can also fit in a tackle because the reality is, is you're not making it through 18 games now, whatever the hell it is with all five starters. <laughs> you're just not going to do it. It's not going to happen. So to have guys that can play multiple spots is super important, especially tackle guard. If you've got a guy who can play tackle guard legitimately in the NFL, I mean, that's really, really good. Daniels, I think would qualify in that area. Same as Bergeron. Would you see him as fourth, fifth round guy, perhaps? Tough to say because I think that a guy like that could be – he could be on day three, um, you know, because I think he's got that tackle. You know, he could play tackle, and and that's – you, you can always sort of – like I think the conventional wisdom, even though I don't always agree with it, you can make it work at guard. Like you can put a guy in there and sort of like get by, but it's hard to get by at tackle. If, you, if you're down, like if Charles Cross or somebody goes down and they got nothing, and it's like, oh, shit, <laughs> like this whole thing goes to hell, man. You can't do anything. So – I think a guy like that, for sure, Daniels, I mean, I think Dane had him high, uh, ahead of uh, Jalen Duncan, the tackle for Maryland, and I don't necessarily disagree because he can play probably three spots, maybe four in the NFL and be pretty decent at it. I was I looking do. at his, uh, oh, I was looking at his uh, testing numbers. You mentioned the athlete. When you said that, I was like, let me check his relative mm-hmm. athletic score, which is like my, my computer knows. I've been on this relative athletic score site so much in the past like month. As soon as I type R in my browser. It's so good, isn't it? That thing it pops up. Yeah. Right <laughs> Uh, yeah, ran ran four nine nine at yeah. two hundred and ninety four pounds. Yeah, Holy but you see, hell. that's like a little thin, right? You'd like him to be a little bigger. So you say, if he's going to be a guard, if you want to move him inside, you know, I think he's probably going to be a tackle. So I think he's going to go off the board a little higher. Man, that is that no four nine nine is that's that's. I mean, I, I know you said the split is more important too. It's like well, it's right. went one seven. Uh, that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> pretty yeah, good. No, that's that that's a fast, fast dude, man. At two <laughs> at two ninety four, although he had yeah, four that's really weeks. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's kind of looks like he's kind of light. I think two ninety four is too light. Probably, probably for guard, but you know he could probably stand to gain ten more pounds and be a tackle mm-hmm. because he's so athletic. You know, but this the power, the the play strength is the question for guys like that. You don't know until you see it. You know, until you see him in camp. And you guys know it. You go out there and you watch those first couple of days of pads, and you're like, well, shit. Some of these rookies can go, and some of them are a long way away. <laughs> and that's the one where you just you, you can't tell until you see it. All right. This is off-the-wall question. We didn't talk about it in the 
off wax in the in the waiting room. Mm-hmm. But Mike has given up on the screen game. <laughs> and I'm the person that there are times where they gain two yards and I'll say that is a success. And Mike will shoot that down and say, no, Chris, that is terrible. Now, my question is, and I've been trying to formulate how I'm going to ask this, but this is my best attempt at it. Mm-hmm. How do you properly run a screen game where your offensive tackles get upfield and you have a positive game. You see other teams do it all the time. Sometimes they result in 70 yards for touchdowns. For whatever yeah. reason, the Seahawks cannot consistently do it. So, Nick, how do you successfully run a screen? Can you give us the breakdown, the X's and O's, and how it works? That way, maybe the Seahawks can master it. That way, Mike can join my squad and be like, hey, you guys don't give There's up on the screens. Keep trying it. <laughs> There's two parts of that, of course. The back has to know what he's doing mm-hmm. and be able to catch. And Kenneth Walker, I love Kenneth Walker. I watched him here at Michigan State. Not a great hands guy. That's the one thing with him that was a little bit of a, can he snag the ball? Can he catch it with his hands? Can he get that body turned and just pluck it and go and set up blocks in space? The bigger thing, though, is the offensive line. And it's it's the timing of knowing when to, you, you watch all the time. You're calling a screen a lot of times when the, the defense is just rushed and rushed and rushed mm-hmm. and they've done everything at the quarterback and you want to throw them off almost like a draw. It's that timing of, you know, you're releasing, you're letting the rusher get upfield, you're releasing, and, and you got to go. And you got to not only go, you got to find a, it's a, now we're looking at a landmark. We're looking at, I'm either looking at a spot on the field where I'm running to to hit somebody, or I'm peeling off and trying to find somebody inside, and you're blocking in space. So if you're, if you're weak athletically as an offensive line, you're going to be a bad screen team. The Lions, who I see here all the time, are awesome at it because they have Panay Sewell. And, Part of that is they run inside screens with backs. They run outside screens with backs. They will run wide receiver screens with Sewell running out and just kind of like being like an extra tight end almost. So it's really about how athletic uh, are all five guys and then how well are they working together because there's a lot of timing that sort of goes into that. But I wouldn't give up on it, Mike. I mean, Mike's got to catch, though. That's the one thing. If he can't catch or or see what he's doing, it's not going to really matter. Oh, the Seahawks are just such a bad screen. Yeah, and you got to have timing. You got to know when to do it. You can't just do it all the time either. That's, oh, no. That's the thing, Nick. They don't even do it all the time. It's every time it. they do it, yeah. it fails. And they don't do any, like, that's true. And they like they probably could because the, the, the receiver screens, those little quick smoke screens really don't work with Gino because nobody's <laughs> afraid he's going to run. You know, like nobody's <laughs> afraid he's going to run. Same with golf I see all the time. It's like, why are you even doing that? Like, what's the point of that? But, yeah, I get it. All right, so the two things I learned there. Athletic offensive line. Everybody's got to be on the same page. That's, yeah. I think, the biggest component because I don't want to call anyone out, but there obviously might have been one player that just wasn't able to get out there quick enough, didn't execute the block properly. Right. Because there's nothing more exciting to me outside of receivers, you know, running crazy routes and DBs not being able to keep up. There's nothing more exciting than seeing a 300-pound lineman peeling and seeing a, I don't know, 200-pound linebacker or 190 corner eyes get big and you just yeah. see them maul the guy and it's a nice 30 yard gain on the screen. The Seahawks don't have that often. So I have to go elsewhere to, to get that That's joy, right. but hearing you break that down. Okay. I, I see now what they can do and maybe they can draft a guy or two that can yeah. help them get there. And then maybe this year, Mike, we'll see a screen for a touchdown, man. And you'll be back on the bandwagon. Or at least the first down. We'll start with that. You know right? what? We'll take baby steps. A first down, Nick. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's not just that the Seahawks are bad at, they're bad at all of them, like to tight ends, to receivers. Yeah, 
Yeah. It's, it's like every, not just the backs. Like it's, and no. then, then when they do have one, it always comes back. It's either oh, you know, yeah. a guy downfield. And again, holding. that's not being athletic in space. So they've got to upgrade up front. You guys are right on that for sure. I totally agree. No, oh, yeah. That's why we're dedicating the whole episode yep. to the that's interior right. of the line. Cause I mean, as much as, as much as Gino caught some flack for last year, his numbers kind of tailed off after the Bucks mm-hmm. game in Germany, week 10 to week like 18. His splits aren't, aren't great compared to weeks one through nine. But part of that is that was directly correlated, I think, to the play of the interior line. It just right. it just fell off. Well, you guys guys get knocked back. One of their first runs in the Thursday night game against the Niners that they lost in week 15, they're trying to run it up the gut. And as soon as Kenneth Walker gets the ball, he's hit in the face by right. Austin Blythe's ass. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's just – That's not good. Yeah. That's not okay. You know, there's nothing Gino no. can do about that. There's nothing Ken can do about that. It's just you got to – And you guys nailed it earlier, like, uh, you know – I spent so much time watching Stafford here in Detroit and he's very similar to Gino in that like he can move if you need him to move, but he's not like fast. He's not like the most athletic guy in the world. He can only do so much. So you got to, you have to have a guy over the ball that is going to be able to hold up or you are screwed because if he's like, and you can see at the end of the season for them, it, I agree with you completely. It wasn't all on Gino. I'm sure there was a couple of throws he'd like to have back, but I mean, he has no chance if they're not protecting up the middle, just how he is as a player. Right? It would be like that. He went all the way back to when he was at West Virginia. That's just how he is as a quarterback. You got to protect him up front, right over the ball. And if you can't, it's going to be really, really hard, which kind of makes it like even more special that he was able to do what he was, you know, all, all of last year, I think. And it made the run game kind of tail off too, because Ken, exactly. Ken had some growing pains there. Ken was really boom or bust there in the second half of the season. He was either taking a, he was either cutting it back and getting the first down with like 12 yards or losing yards. Right. The O line play didn't, Help there too. It was just like I, I have to cut back because right. my my left guard is in my lap. As soon as I'm, you know, trying to run, it just it. They, I could I could see the need for some some upgrades there. The floor is actually not too low. Right. I just, the ceiling could be upped with the with tackles some. are good. I mean, that's the and that's the most expensive part. And you know, that's they got the good start there to get the tackles. Evan Brown's a good signing. So yeah, they're they're poised here to improve big time in the lines, both sides of the ball. I would say because they have so many picks. Screen game about to get about to go up, Mike. Twenty twenty three, baby. I've, I've I've given up on the screen game in time, but I'm glad one of us on the show has has hope, Chris. That we'll we'll talk about it every every week too when they when they screw it up. Uh, he, Nick, you mentioned him earlier. I didn't have him written down because he's just been a tackle in my mind, mm-hmm. as everyone has him. Is uh, remind me of the kid from Northwestern again? Uh, oh, Skaronsky, Peter Skaronsky. Yeah, he's he's an interesting one for this from the Seahawks perspective because they could be in a situation where. He's the the best player on their board, right. but not necessarily a position of need because they have to tackle. Right. If they do find themselves in that position and they're like, fuck it, he's the best guy on our board. Maybe we can play him at guard if if that's if we take him after we trade back to eight or nine or something like that. Do you think that's a worthwhile use of his skill set in that situation? I mean, he'd definitely be a guard. And I think that, I, I mean, there'd be nothing wrong with that. It's just a matter of what do you want to pay him? And a lot of teams have that philosophy of, like, I'd rather pay the tackles. But a guy like Skronsky doesn't really fall into that bucket for me because he could start for you at left tackle, right tackle, or either guard spot. For any team in the league, probably, you know, coming in right away. That's how good – I think Dane has him as the top offensive lineman in the class, um, you know, in terms of just everything that he brings to the table. So – yeah, I mean, you know, he's a top 10 pick for sure. And I've wondered about how much trade value he, you know, teams can dangle. You know, their Seattle at five is maybe going to have others with if Jalen Carter falls or something like that. 
Um, Detroit, you know, some of these other teams there that don't need to tackle, you know, could you say, hey, if you want Skaronsky, you better come up here and get him because he's not going to make it past like 10 or 11. And yeah, I mean, he'd be one to keep an eye on for Seattle, but it would be like, you'd be all in on the run game. I mean, that, you know what I mean? You'd be all in on that. There'd be no looking back. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's sort of like the decision you have to make there. Hey, if one if there's one coach left in the league that you don't have to try to sell to be all in on the running game, right. it is Peter Clay Carroll. <laughs> that that man will run the ball as many. He likes throwing it too, but boy, if you say, hey, Pete, you take this guy, you got to run the ball. Well, shit. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> it. Yeah, Pete, Pete's Pete's all in on that. I got I got one more guy I want to throw right. at you, which we kind of were talking a little bit about tackles because you don't the Seahawks are in that weird spot like I mentioned. They there's gonna be they could be on the clock in the first round where the highest guy they have on their board is a tackle, mm-hmm. whether it's whether it's Peter from Northwestern or remind me of the guy from other not Paris the other guy from Ohio State. Oh, Big Dwan Jones. Jones. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Yeah, see, like he could be on their boy, maybe at they're on the clock at twenty or something like that. They're later, yeah. Yeah, it's like ah, shit. He's the highest great guy on our board. Yeah. Um, he could raise the ceiling of the group if 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 that's the case. Could you uh, if you if Seattle's like, yo, Nick, hey, we're on the clock. We need you. We, we yeah. like Dwan Jones. What we got? We got Abe Lucas. What what would you do? Like, how would you respond if John? I would tell him no. Dwan Jones, take Darnell Wright from Tennessee instead because mm. he is. Another one of these guys, I think that you may be able to try him at guard. Dewan can't play guard. So that's the one where I would say he has to be a right tackle. Um, and he's so unique because of that length. He's the long, I think he was the longest player that's ever been at the Senior Bowl, uh, which is nuts. I mean, you know, it's been some pretty crazy people that have gone through there. Um, so it's not just the length, but like, yeah, he doesn't bend real well, and it would be a problem inside. So I'm not sure about him, and you'd have to move other guys. He's he can't move around, right? So I would suggest elsewhere. I would say don't take him. Take maybe Darnell Wright, but I would also consider him because I think Darnell's probably a fringe guy for a second round somewhere in there. So yeah, could be possible. Yeah, that's the the best player available versus position right. of debate is really i don't think it's as uh interesting in the later rounds um especially when you got to consider guys who can play special teams and and you look mm-hmm. at what the rest of your roster looks like and who's on what contracts but in that first round there like oh man no, you're right i, I yeah. like our tackles but damn if this dude might we think this guy might be an all pro or some shit or right you know who's to who's to say he doesn't raise the ceiling of our group that's kind of how i looked at the first round these last couple of years i get into more nerdiness it's like does this guy raise the ceiling of our group? Yeah, I talk about that a lot. Do you are you making something from good to great? Do you have the ability to turn something from growing to a strength? You know what I mean? Like, and I think that sometimes that gets underlooked. People talk about needs a lot. Sometimes I'm like, well, just make make the best part of your team elite. That's a need, right? And then, and then other people got to deal with it. And sometimes that's not the worst idea either. So yeah, there's a bunch of ways you can do it for sure. Yeah, cornerback is an interesting one for the Seahawks in the first round, too, because Michael Jackson played okay at that spot opposite Tariq Woolen. He's mm-hmm. Tariq's locked in. Awesome. It's like, is, the, is there a guy who raises the ceiling of the group uh, at corner? Christian Gonzalez, Devin Witherspoon, Darius Rush, Keely Ringo, any of those guys Over. in the first yeah. round? Yeah, so uh, we got, we'll probably have a whole pot on, on DBs, too. That's me and Chris's favorite. Uh, but yeah, we we need, we had to hit you up for the old line guys because yes, it's so there's so many intricacies that go into all the shit from centers to guards to moving guys from guard to tackle to height to arm length weight. No, it's it, it's fascinating. We got anybody else we want to ask about? Chris, man, that's, that's all I got, man. And my screen question, I know I threw it in there randomly, so I, <laughs> it just popped in my head. I was like, wait a second, we, we have an offensive, 
We got a specialist on this, man. Nick, is there anyone else who's like, yo, guys, if you see our fans, also put this guy on, on your radar. Well, I mean, let me ask you guys, uh, Jalen Carter, what if he's sitting there? What do you what do you think they do? I've wondered say, about that the whole time. Because for me, I've seen I know some of Seattle's picks over the years. I remember when they drafted Frank Clark. Mm-hmm. I've seen, yeah. you know, I've seen them take chances on guys. I'm I'm curious to your guys' thoughts on if he's sitting there. I talked about us today with some of my coworkers at the radio station, and I said, if I'm the general manager, we're taking the guy. Either I'm gonna get fired in three years or I'm gonna get a bonus. I'm gonna get an additional four or five years because of the, the deal. And I'm okay yeah. with either or. It's someone's gonna take him, right? But this team right now, they're revamping the offensive line. Mm-hmm. They believe they can win a well, Pete Carroll has said they can win the Super Bowl with Geno Smith. Okay, build that old line. And at number five, get you a guy that, as Mike has put it, Mike Duar and Mike Sando, I think, wrote in the story. Is he gonna be in the game that final two minutes? Jalen Carter will be in the game the final two minutes. From what we've seen, he's had a hell of a three months so far with everything right. going on. When he gets back to just football, I think he'll be that guy that everyone thought he could and would be. But yeah. right now, it's just crazy. Everything's going on. I don't know where his headspace is, obviously, but I would take it. I would just say, you know what? Either I'm going to be hired for an additional, get an extension, or y'all are going to fire me. I'm, a, I'm okay with living with those terms there. I, I go back and forth. It's so tough because it I mean, it's, just, it's, it's just disclaimer. This is about to sound very cynical, but like how he performed his pro day is almost more concerning to me than the no. racing thing. I know because it's just because like that's what I'm gonna gauge you on. I mean, racing is the racing thing is decision making, which obviously is important. Sure. Too, especially we're gonna give you a twenty million dollar signing bonus, which I believe is what the fifth pick gets mm-hmm. this year. But it's also like, all right, you had a thing happen. It was probably very stressful and a lot to like, but you still had to come perform. Yeah. Which is that's real life in the NFL. Like you're gonna have some family drama, baby mama drama, beef with your agent, you know, beef with your parents or whatever. And we still have a game on Sunday, right. so you know, and no one really cares whether you got into it with your mom the the morning of the game, you know, right. playing the Raiders. Like get your shit together. Right. Like that's just the reality of the game. And his pro day was kind of indicative of that. So I exactly. you went through some shit that that happens. Can you still perform when the pressure's on? And he did. Yeah. That right there would be. That would I would I would probably grill him if I was a team not grill him but just like my research would be more about that like yep. what went into you coming in out of shape not being able to finish your pro day workout that was a, again that's very cynical that's more that was more concerning for me that would make me worry because again it's not just the where he's getting picked it's twenty right. million dollars signing bonus we're about to get exactly. yeah at, at, at that's, that's a lot of fucking money yeah. and you can't show up in shape right um, so I. I probably would still, I would still take him, uh, I think. And this is where teams, I think, make mistakes. And this could be Seattle's mistake is you kind of overestimate the, not the, the the coaching you have in your building, but like the leadership. That's right. That's what I was yeah. just going to say. Yeah. You got it. The only way you can do it is, yep. Only way you can do it is if you have a culture, if you have an established and you really believe in it like a lot. And if you don't, or if you're still sort of like, I don't know, even at that position, like I wouldn't do it, but. If you're if you're confident in your locker room, then absolutely I would do it because he's and, he's there, man. And it's and it's and it's confident in the locker room and specifically who's going to be those voices like did yeah, his, next mm-hmm. and like did his is his position coach he's going to have with your team whether Seattle or someone else? Did your position coach play D line? Like is his D line coach a former D lineman? Yeah, that no league did you know like in, in Seattle his defensive coordinator is a former D lineman D tackle like big guy too. Like does that 
Does that does yeah. that help? What vets are going to be around him? You know, like when he gets that signing bonus, who is he going to be hanging out with? Like, are they going to be the guys that encourage y'all to go home at 10 o'clock? Or the Tigers is going to be like, hey, man, nah, we good till like two, you know? Like, it, there's so many variables when you talk about that. And I, and part of me is like, shit, man, if there's that many, just right. move on. Yeah. Then I flip on some of the tape from the, you know, from last season. I'm like, you know what? Swing for the so okay. you know? <laughs> I, I think I, I come back to taking him, I think, in our spoiler and our beat writer mock draft, whenever that comes out, the latest one at the Athletic, I think I took him. Yeah. So, but it's, I'm, I'm weighing a lot more variables after the pro day more right. than I was after the, the misdemeanor charges for, for racing and reckless driving, which were serious, but it's like, dude, I need you in right. shape. You need right. to be able to go through shit and stay in shape and perform. And he did. You should be able to handle it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hand, handle, handle the pressure. He's going mm-hmm. through a lot, but again, 20 is not a fifth round pick. $20 million. Right. To hand you, off right. rip. you know? So yeah. I, I think I would take him. That's a good question. That's like the big debate. You know, a lot of people are off oh, yeah. on him here because of the history with like, Guys like Frank, or, or um, from a moral perspective, not yep. from a performance perspective. Like, uh, Frank, uh, Malik McDowell yep. was a mess. That's yep. the one that's, that's I remember cool. him too. Yep. Yeah, Michigan State guy yep. had the red flags, nothing He's legal. Right there. Yep, staring at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right there staring at them. They traded back thinking they were going to top 10 talent at pick 35, which maybe they were. It was, but mentally, yeah, it was it was not good. But it's like, OK, why is he available at pick 35? <laughs> right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I, I I get both like Chris, I get both sides of it. I lean towards like, you know what? Fuck it. Um, ain't my money. If I was Joey Allen and I had to cut the check, not my money. Yeah, <laughs> he's not getting my twenty million. That's right. That's what I. So I go ahead, get paid, man. So that's that's a good question. You, Nick, you presented the question that's like going to dominate Seattle. Totally. So the job. How great it is to the yep. to, to the guy. So that's a good one. Uh, we got anything else, Chris? Get Nick out of here. Man. We appreciate right, you, Nick. Nick, back, man, we, we appreciate you making your debut here. Before we get you out, let people know and follow you on Twitter. Any work you've got coming on the athletic, any pre draft stuff, go ahead. The floor is yours. Plug whatever you want. Yeah, Twitter is uh, just at Nick Baumgartner, N I C K B A U M G A R D N E R. And then, yeah, lots of draft stuff coming. Uh, myself, Dane Brugler, Deontay Lee, Nate Tice. I wrote about Bijan Robinson, the Lions today, if you want to go check that out. And just Bijan mm. in general. I think he's a first rounder. I think he's really good. So. But yeah, lots of good stuff coming for sure. Stay Wait, did tuned. you advocate for him the Lions to oh, take yeah. him? Oh yeah, I think that I, I don't know where, but I love that fit. I think it's perfect for them. I think they're ready for that. For what sure. did the Lions have? Six and eighteen. Six and eighteen. So I don't know if he's mm. gonna be there at eighteen. But I don't know if I would do it at six. But I don't know. We'll see. I, I like it. I like yeah. it. Spicy <laughs> running back pick. So yeah, we actually had Deontay on our last show. Uh, we had Nick on this one. Uh, we're gonna try to get Nate next. Actually, just kind of complete He's the even better. Yeah. <laughs> dream team there. Talk about tight ends and, and quarterbacks. And then we usually get Dane annually after the draft. So awesome. We appreciate all the all the stuff you guys do. Thank you guys for tuning into the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, The Athletic. Chris, anything else? Nah, again, like Mike just stated, we appreciate all the love and support. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll catch you guys next week.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.